0: farm, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome to Intelligent Medicine, America's foremost program on health, medicine, and nutrition, featuring the latest on both conventional and alternative therapies. Now, here's Dr. Ronald Hoffman welcome to intelligent medicine i'm your host dr ronald hoffman it's our weekly roundup of all the most important health stories that can affect you and your family 877-726-8255 is the number that uh, admits you to the doctor's office yes even though it's a weekend even though you may not have an appointment you can come directly into the doctor's office and pose your question or share an opinion or a concern covid19 still on a lot of people's minds as we begin spring and uh it's unclear the direction that the pandemic will take uh, things seem to be getting better but then a lot of people are uh, issuing warnings that uh, maybe there are variants out there that could uh, subvert the effectiveness of the vaccine campaign so uh it's there's a lot of uncertainty You can call us with your questions, 877-726-8255, our number. And uh, among the big news stories this week, uh, we're changing the distance. The physical distancing in schools, well, it used to be six feet. Why six feet? Not nine feet, not 12 feet, not four feet. Uh, But uh, everywhere you see signs and icons uh, that show you that you should be separating by six feet that is the magic formula for uh, keeping the virus from propagating and uh, so what changed the centers for disease control uh, just revised their guidelines for schools suggesting that we could pack more kids into classrooms separating them by only three feet not six feet i'm not sure exactly how that translates because uh, kids uh, are notoriously poor at uh, direction and distance sensing, uh, so they you know, will probably mingle. It's a question of where they're going to situate the desks and how many kids can be in a classroom. So what changed? What changed to... Uh, alter the CDC's opinion on it. Is it a, a change in the political currents, uh, people just getting tired of uh, the lockdowns and parents getting frustrated because their kids are at home and not learning uh, online? Is it uh, political pressure? Uh, is it the vaccines? Is it the fact that uh, more and more the vulnerable uh, are now receiving vaccines and we're thinking that uh, it's safer uh, to let things uh, happen in the schools? Um, Well, actually, nothing has changed according to the latest research. And I'm going to go through some of the studies in a moment. It was like this all the time that it didn't make a difference whether it was three feet or six feet. Now, it sounds kind of counterintuitive because uh, you who are parents or grandparents, you all know that uh, when the kids come home from school, uh, those uh, sniffly kids uh, who are coughing and sneezing, they got runny noses, uh, they make you get sick. And uh, ever since being a, a grandparent, uh, I've noticed that uh, my rate of developing colds increased because the kids are like little Petri dishes for infections. And it really does matter when it comes to the flu. But uh, the coronavirus is different, and it surprised us in many ways. And uh, one of the ways that it surprised us is uh, how little kids are affected and how badly older adults are affected. And so the question remains, though, well, maybe the kids aren't too much affected, but they're going to bring home infections that are going to kill grandma and grandpa. That's the theory. Now. Uh, according to the latest statistics, uh, 42.9 million of us have been vaccinated. The majority of people over 65 have been vaccinated. Maybe things have changed, but um, there's a study that is just out. Effectiveness of three versus six feet of physical distancing for controlling spread of COVID-19 among primary and secondary students and staff. Uh, it's a study uh, performed uh, in Massachusetts. And what they found is that it didn't make a hell of a lot of difference. Uh, Student case rates were similar in the 242 districts with a greater than three feet versus a greater than six feet of physical distancing between students. Results were similar after adjusting for community incidents. So you might say, well, yeah, okay, maybe three feet is okay, but when not a lot of infections are happening in the community. But when things are raging in the community... You better make sure that you lock down the schools or that uh you keep that six-foot edict. Well, results were similar after adjusting for community incidents. And importantly, cases among school staff, because that's a big concern, is that the unions are saying, well, it's not safe to go back. We don't want to get sick. And some of us are people who have older people in our household, so we don't want to get sick and then transmit it to our uh, older relatives, uh, our families. Turns out the cases among school staff and districts with six feet versus three feet of physical distancing were similar. Okay. So, uh, also, um, big study uh, here. Uh, this one, uh, it looks at the incidence of students having school-related COVID-19. Fewer than 1% of students were identified as having school-related COVID-19, it turned out that the way that kids get COVID is more at home and not so much in the school setting. Uh, there was limited in school transmission observed in Florida. Florida is kind of a case study for this because they've allowed kids back in school and with, yes, masking and some social distancing and you know these little cohorts that they create, little pods uh, to keep kids from uh, mingling too much. But, you know, there are certain precautions. It's not a total letter rip approach. But what they found is that, um, uh, household transmission and social gatherings might pose a higher risk for infection among school-aged children than does school attendance. So, uh, this study is about to appear in the Lancet. Uh, it's, uh, embargoed. I think it's gonna be released, um, early next week. Uh, COVID-19 risk for adults living with and without children. Now, this is based on the experience in England, based on the two, uh, surges that they had in England. The first wave, February to August 2020, and the second wave, September to December 2020. And, uh, they looked at data for 12 million adults in the UK. And what they, and it really answers the central question. Um, what happens when kids, go to school, and then come home, and can they make their families sick, or can they make it more likely that adults living in that household get sick, get hospitalized, or die? That's really the key question. So what they found is, uh, during the first wave, living with children of any age was not associated, I repeat, was not associated with a markedly increased risk of SARS-CoV-2 infection or severe outcomes from COVID-19, compared with not living with children. During the second wave, there was an increased risk of infection and COVID-19-related hospital admission, but not intensive care admission. And there was no difference in the risk of death. But the increased risk was very small. Um, The number of people recorded to have a SARS-CoV infection rose from 810 to 850 to 870 per 10,000 people living with children. Still a very low rate. Uh, It's kind of like, you know, one in a hundred living with children age zero to 11. And it went uh, from 810 to 970 for those living with children age 12 to 18. So it went up a little bit, but, you know, maybe, I don't know, it's about, looks like about 10, 15%. There was no increase in the risk of death in either wave. And it turns out that um, people living with children aged zero to eleven were also less likely to die of COVID nineteen in the first and second waves. You know, and why that should be is that maybe, just maybe, the little colds that you get from the kids may help confer some immunity against COVID nineteen. Little minor upper respiratory infections, non uh, coronavirus infections. Uh, th- these little colds may have somehow boosted people's immunity against COVID. So bottom line, it's safe to go back to school. Yes, with certain precautions. And the unions are not happy. Uh, I heard a statement by a member of the uh, United Federation of Teachers. We're not convinced that three feet is safe. And I'm quoting here, we're very weary of going back into the classroom. Well, first I would say, if you're a teacher you're a spokesperson for the UFT. Do not use malapropisms. Malaprops, like we're very weary of going back. Yes, we're weary. Of, you know, we are tired. Tired is weary. But what they're trying to say is we're very wary of going back in the classroom. Get your English straight <laughs> if you're making a statement to the press about how you're not happy about going back into the classrooms. It's time to move forward on this initiative because kids are experiencing educational lapses, depression, increased risks of suicide, uh, criminality, because school is a very organizing principle for them. Not to mention the problems the parents are having because they can't go to work. They have to supervise the kids. Big, big hit on the economy and on our morale. 877-726-8255 is our number. Yes, I very much respect the role that teachers play and their frontline workers, and we got to give them a lot of credit. But it's time to go back. This is Intelligent Medicine.
1: Our bodies depend on a potent powerhouse of beneficial bacteria that support and improve every aspect of our health. Dr. O'Hara's formula encourages probiotics to function at their peak performance. Join the millions of people worldwide who know the power of Dr. O'Hara's probiotics. Discover the Dr. O'Hara difference for yourself. Dr. O'Hara's probiotics are available at natural health retailers nationwide and online. Go to www.essentialformulas.com for a retailer near you. That's essentialformulas.com. Stop breathing right now. No, really, hold your breath. This is how it feels when you're stuffed up due to colds, flu, pollen, dander, postnasal drip, or any other reason. That's when you need Clear Saline Nasal Spray, the only spray with the power of Xylitol. That simple saline solution you're using is only doing half the job. It's just rinsing. In multiple research studies, Xylitol has been shown to reduce bacterial adhesion and help keep your nose moist and clean much longer than saline alone, making Clear more effective at washing away that nasty gunk in your nose. Clear is so powerful, it's been granted over 11 patents. So step up from that wimpy saline spray to something that actually works faster and better at getting you the relief you need to start breathing now. And if your doctor isn't talking to you about Clear for your congestion, maybe you need to get a new doctor. You don't just rinse your hands. Why would you just rinse your nose? Clear Saline Nasal Spray with Xylitol. Available at Vitamin Shop, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, as well as Amazon.com. For a complete list of retailers, visit clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R
0: Welcome back to television Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, 877-726-8255, our number. And taking advantage of that uh, call line is Michael from Pittsburgh. How are you doing, Michael?
2: Hello, Dr. Hoffman. First of all, um, thank you so much. Blessings to you for giving, providing listeners with a very balanced, non-ideological, non-political assessment of uh, the vaccines. We really appreciate it. There's so much... Oh, thank uh, you.
0: Yeah, that, that's... That's my mission statement, you know, and frankly, we are pulled by ideology on this, is that the the ideology of uh, some people who are very much want to obey authority, you know, say, well, you know, if the government says it's okay, you know, and and it's approved, you know, let's let's all do it without questioning. And I think that is probably. Uh, wrong, even though the vaccines are uh, terrific and very likely to be a success. On the other hand, there are people who bet against the vaccines and come up with all kinds of preposterous reasons why we shouldn't take the vaccines and instill fear about the vaccines. And that's a mistake, too. I think we should take a science-based approach. So thank you. I, I am mean, trying to tread the fine line between those two extremes. So yeah, go ahead. Na-
2: nature, reality is much more complex than people would like to believe. But my question is, I'm 78, I do have a history of asthma, although it's under control thanks to you and your recommendations and exercise and other things, um, and I'm still, regarding the vaccine, if I do decide to take it, should I stop taking the different immune-enhancing supplements that you have been recommending uh, in the thought that it could exacerbate a, a, cyto,
0: uh, a cytokine yep. reaction. Or- yeah. yeah right. Well, yeah. You know, so, you know, that and that's a question that really needs to be scientifically evaluated. And we don't have s- studies. We don't have, uh, you know, comparisons of people who take certain things and you'd have to do it, you know, nutrient by nutrient. You have to have some people taking extra zinc and then, you know, and that alone. And then some people taking vitamin D and then some people taking uh, elderberry, for example, you know, which is an immune supportive thing uh to see if, uh, A, they do better, if the vaccine takes, because we know that a person's immune status has to do uh, with whether a vaccine is successful. You know, one of the problems with uh, previous vaccines, and probably is going to be applicable to COVID, is that uh, people who are elderly and immune-suppressed... Uh, don't get as much vaccine protection as people with robust immune systems, which is, you know, precisely the purpose of the vaccine is, you know, we're, we want to protect the vulnerable and the vulnerable don't do as well with vaccines. We know that people who have uh, nutritional deficiencies, people who suffer from malnutrition, and this is, we've seen this in the third world, uh, when we give them vaccines for, say, like, the measles, they don't do as well. So when teams uh, go out into the countryside to give kids vaccines for measles in places like Nepal, they also bring with them uh, nutritional supplements, especially vitamin A, which is thought to enhance their uh, response to the vaccine. So there's quite a lot of scientific literature about that. Uh, On the other hand, you know, do we want to put our immune response into overdrive because it appears that some of the vaccine responses that we're seeing are because people have a too robust response to the vaccine. They they get uh, fevers and they get blood clots and they get autoimmune reactions. Uh, this happens very rarely, but uh, A, it can be pretty bothersome, uh, or it can actually be dangerous, and there are actually some people who have died. Rarely it's happened. It happened with the AstraZeneca vaccine, a few cases. It's kind of compromise the confidence in Europe in the AstraZeneca vaccine. So we really don't know. So uh, suffice it to say, I think some of the ordinary things that support immunity uh, can be helpful. Taking for example adequate amounts of vitamin D taking adequate amounts of zinc and vitamin A and vitamin C that's probably a good idea taking specific things that strongly enhance the immune response say elderberry uh or mushroom extracts maybe that's something to withhold at the time you take the the, uh, the shot so um you know we'll have to see you know we maybe hopefully there will be some attention given to this uh, important area of nutritional support But uh, so far, we don't have the exact word on it. Fish oil, yeah, to reduce inflammation, that may be helpful too. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is Intelligent Medicine. Are you looking to give your immune system a boost? This is Dr. Ronald Hoppen with a natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals, liquid wild oil of oregano with rosemary extract and natural honey flavor. Future Farm's wild oil of oregano supports a variety of health benefits, including antimicrobial effects, as well as supporting the immune system. Plus, Future Farm is the first ever to formulate wild oil of oregano with rosemary. Rosemary AIDS circulation helps alleviate muscle pain, improves memory, and also gives your immune system a boost. The natural honey flavor enhances the taste while still giving you all of the benefits. Future Farm sources this product from the Mediterranean and produces it in the United States. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's future, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash hoffman wild oil of oregano is all natural science-based and works without adverse side effects myfuturefarm.com slash hoffman hi this is dr ronald hoffman for biomega fish oil from biotics research for over 40 years biotics research has been providing the highest quality supplements surpassing industry standards biomega fish oil contains therapeutic doses of vital omega-3s in the triglyceride form which is highly bioavailable biotics research ensures maximum purity and freshness by managing their fish oils from catch to capsule For more information, go to drhoffman.com slash Biotics Research. That's drhoffman.com slash Biotics Research for Biomega Fish Oil. Welcome back to Intelligent Medicine. Dr. Ronald Hoffman with you. 877-726-8255 is our number. Uh, In a moment, uh, your walking speed may be the key to your likelihood of surviving COVID-19. But first, 877-726-8255 is our number. It's our number, 247-365, and you can call and record a question as to this individual. Let's hear it.
2: I have a two-part question. Is the second shot of the two-shot coronavirus protection, is the second shot the same strength as the first shot? And if you don't take the second shot, will the first shot eventually wear off, and will the second shot wear off? did you want to address any of the questions about the RNA or the DNA that it has an effect on in your body? I mean, I I cannot believe that it would alter your DNA in your body. That would be anti-productive. But I wondered if you knew of any validity to that rumor that is going around.
0: Okay. A couple of, you know, a couple of good questions. Uh, you know, first, uh, is the second shot the same strength as the first shot? Is it stronger? Uh, Well, it isn't stronger, but it sure feels stronger. Because what happens is, uh, with the first shot, you get uh, an initial uh, awakening of your immune response to the spike protein of the coronavirus. And by the time you get your second shot, your body already has immune memory. So it really pours on an immune reaction, like a very exaggerated immune reaction. And it's the same strength. And, yeah, you know, kind of bring up an interesting issues like maybe the second shot should be a lower strength. That would complicate the vaccine distribution, because how would you keep track of, you know, whether you're getting the first shot versus the second shot? It makes it easier. It's like, you know, uh, you know, one one shot fits all. Um, but uh, the second shot is notorious for causing people to feel crummy. Uh, Not everybody. Some people don't feel anything. Some people feel a little under the weather. Some people uh, spike a fever. Some people have a very sore arm. Uh, And so that's pretty common. Um, So it also brings up the question is, does one shot suffice? Uh, And because of the shortage of the vaccine, they're, they're saying, well, maybe we should just make sure everybody gets one and then uh, it's an additional luxury to get a second one, which might take uh, your uh, resistance to the virus up from about 70 percent up to maybe 95 percent. Uh, a lot of studies are suggesting that even one shot gives you 80 plus percent resistance to, um, you know, severe problems with the virus. And it is even being proposed that we, you know, just do one shot. Know, maybe one shot will suffice, We're, you know, and then uh, we have the luxury of if we have enough vaccine around, we'll give people a second shot. But, you know, they're lockstepping with the two-shot uh, approach because that's the way that this got tested. So as to this uh, notion that um, you're going to change people's DNA, um, so we, you know, we need to have a little basic understanding of uh, molecular biology here and genetics and I'll try and make it simple, is that, uh, okay, you got a lot of DNA, which is in all your cells. It resides in the nuclei in the center of your cells, and the DNA is kind of a blueprint or a template for everything that happens in your body, for synthesizing all the proteins, all the hormones, all the cells, all the structures in your body. And the way that it gets translated into you uh, is via something called messenger RNA. And so the DNA uh, meets with the messenger RNA. The RNA assembles on the DNA uh, template, and then the RNA goes outside the nucleus to what are called the ribosomes, which are little platforms like the International Space Station, uh, sitting in the cytoplasm, which is the you know, material outside the nucleus, and then you assemble all the proteins that are necessary for life. So there's another type of RNA. And it's viral RNA. And that RNA uh, is certain viruses are DNA viruses. and Certain viruses are RNA viruses. And what uh, the RNA viruses do is they introduce uh, their RNA into the cell, and then they commandeer the cell's um manufacturing apparatus to replicate themselves. Kind of hitch a ride on the cells, take advantage of the cells, uh, you know, manufacturing capabilities, and they make more copies of themselves. But that RNA does not go into the DNA. But there's an exception. There's something called reverse transcriptase, uh, which enables RNA to go to DNA but the type of virus that this is unlike the hiv virus does not have reverse transcriptase to make rna go to dna so it's kind of like a one-way street dna goes to rna but rna doesn't go to dna what would happen if indeed the viral uh, rna gets incorporated into our human cells well then the instructions for making viruses would be part of our DNA in perpetuity. We would, you know, inherit that. Perhaps that would be good. We would inherit uh, lifelong immunity to a virus, or maybe not. Maybe it could be consequential. Maybe it could have negative, harmful effects. Um, but it's not, uh it kind of goes against the basic laws of genetics. And molecular biology to believe that the RNA that's introduced by the vaccines is going to jump into the nucleus it it just stays in the cytoplasm it doesn't even go into the nucleus to affect the DNA and it's also very short acting the RNA just hangs out there for you know at the most a couple of days gets broken down Uh, the letters in its alphabet get scrambled and it's unlikely that that's going to get picked up and put into the permanent record, the DNA that's present in the nucleus. I hope that that's clear. So, you know, it it's one of those theories that's being circulated, like, you know, genetically modified humans. We become sort of GMO humans, like, you know, GMO salmon that, you know, weigh 70 pounds and are, you know, monstrous and grow really fast. And that's, a, you know, altering uh, an animal species permanently by virtue of uh, molecular technology. But that's not happening with this, this vaccine. I mean, you could accuse the vaccine of, you know, other things that maybe the vaccine prompts a too vigorous immune response and it could create some autoimmunity or bad side effects in some people. Uh, yeah. But does it, does the DNA get altered permanently? That's a very, very unlikely scenario, in my opinion, from what i And I've looked at, you know, arguments on both sides. And I find that the arguments uh, against that are the most persuasive. All right. Uh, This item, uh, something that we could all benefit from, especially these days. It's a suite of Biomega fish oil products from Biotics Research. For over 40 years, Biotics Research has been providing the highest quality supplements, surpassing industry standards. Bioomega fish oil contains therapeutic doses of vital omega 3s in the triglyceride form, which is highly bioavailable. And part of what sets bioomega fish oil apart is that they offer multiple formulations to suit your individual needs. Thousand milligram or five hundred milligram soft gel capsules. If you want a smaller capsule, you can get the five hundred milligram. Uh, or an easy liquid formula for those who struggle with swallowing pills. Biotics Research ensures maximum purity and freshness by managing their fish oils from catch to capsule. Verified by rigorous independent testing. For more information, go to drhoffman.com slash biotics research. That's drhoffman.com slash biotics research for Biomega fish oil. All right. uh, There's um, a 1995 Western called The Quick and the Dead. Pretty famous uh, Western. And uh, it actually this, this phrase actually comes from the Bible. Those of you who are uh, Bible uh, aficionados know that the phrase uh, "quick and the dead" uh, appears in the Bible. It also appears in Shakespeare. It appears in uh, Hamlet. Uh, and um, "quick" is a synonym for those who are alive, and "dead" is dead. But according to a new study, the "quick and the dead" takes on additional Connotations. Here in New York, it means, you know, people who I see dodging traffic and bicycles. In New York, where I live in Manhattan, you got to be quick or you're dead. <laughs> you know, I pity the poor elderly individuals who uh, are so tenacious that they continue to live in Manhattan and traverse the dangerous streets, do their own shopping, uh, push themselves arduously across the street in walkers, and, uh, <laughs> They're not quick. If they're not quick, they're likely to end up dead. But according to uh, new research, the University of Leicester in the UK, slow walkers are four times more likely to die from COVID-19. It's a quick and easy test to determine if you're at risk. I mean, yeah, okay, comorbidities, hypertension, diabetes, old age. But pretty simply, if you're slow, if you're slow, it's just a sign of... Overall lack of vitality. The analysis found that slow walkers of a normal weight, so, you know, it's not about obesity, were almost 2.5 times more likely to develop severe COVID-19. They were 3.75 times more likely to die from the virus than normal weight fast walkers. And uh, we have to use the F word for frailty. Yeah, frailty is associated with inability to uh, walk quickly. Uh, you know, might also suggest poor cardiopulmonary reserve, poor conditioning. So, um, there you have it. You know, uh, <laughs> get a stopwatch, check your walking ability, continue walking to maintain fitness because uh, otherwise COVID-19 is more likely to catch up with you. is our number. Keep those calls coming. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is Intelligent Medicine. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere, To sign up for your free full script account. That's DrhoffmanStore.com. DrhoffmanStore.com. In these unprecedented times, we need effective immune support. That's why I'm excited to introduce two formulas that work. CV Defense and CV Acute. There's nothing quite like them. CV Defense is a daily preventative, the only supplement that delivers the six most important ingredients to optimize your immune function, including PEA, a critical molecule for long-term immunity at the cellular level. CV Acute is a fast-acting, great-tasting syrup for direct immune activation. It eliminates invaders with the fruit flower and root of patented Chinese medicine. I take it when I feel run down to fend off respiratory infections. Both products are safe, all natural, and backed by numerous clinical trials. For more information and to order, go to TotalImmuneHealth.com and take advantage of discounts from 30 to 50% just for listening to Intelligent Medicine. That's TotalImmuneHealth.com. TotalImmuneHealth.com for the most exciting immune support products in years. Welcome back to Intelligent Medicine. Dr. Ronald Hoffman here. We're all badly in need of some good news, and it comes to us in the form of a study from The Lancet Medical Journal that found that just 0.65%, less than 1% of patients, tested positive a second time for COVID-19 after previously being being infected during Denmark's first and second waves. So the conclusion is that COVID-19 reinfection is rare, and it's likely that if you've had it, immunity lasts a long time. But there's a catch. Uh, Reinfection is more common in older people than in younger people. Uh, It turns out that um, people over the age of 65 had only 47% protection against repeat infection compared with 80% protection for younger people. Now, don't get confused because 80% protection doesn't mean that 20% of them are going to get it again. It just means that you can detect whatever it is, the secret sauce in your blood tests that suggests you're protective. Uh, the, the actual figure was less than 1% uh, getting COVID a second time. Now, uh, there's a bit of an asterisk on that, because uh, there's some concerning information coming out of Brazil that suggests that variants... Uh, can reinfect people so if there's a rapid change in the viral RNA uh, in its structural blueprint that um, it may be less likely that the immune system will recognize it when it comes around a second time just like the flu you know it's like well you know I got the flu last year well, and then I got it again well it's a different flu it's your body uh, had recognized the previous flu but the flu changed um, It turns out that the coronavirus is less likely to mutate than the flu. The flu is very unstable. It rapidly changes its structure. Coronavirus, more stable, but not all that stable. Not as stable as some people posited earlier in 2020, the beginning of the pandemic. They said that uh, if you develop a vaccine, it's likely to be effective for very many, many, many years. And now we don't necessarily know that. So uh, they say, yes, the elderly are at greater risk of catching it again. All the more reason why the elderly should be protected and should receive the vaccine. And uh, on the subject of the vaccine, uh, I was watching cable news. And uh, they had a story about how uh, the CEO of Delta, Delta Airlines, is now calling for vaccine passports. Uh, not for U.S. domestic services, but for international flights, uh, which is concerning to me as a customer of Delta, uh, because it's going to compel me to get the vaccine if I want to have any reasonable semblance of normalcy once things settle down and travel is permitted and more easy to undertake, you know, especially all those great trips to Europe that I had planned that got scotched because of the pandemic. Uh, so they say here that some type of vaccine passport for overseas flights will be required but not for US domestic flights, um, Yada yada yada. Ed Bastian said in an interview on NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. So I don't see that happening in the US but I think internationally that's probably gonna be a requirement. Okay, well here's the interesting thing. Let's say that uh, you're working for a company and the company says, okay, uh, Everybody come back to work, but we all have to get vaccinated. So, well, yeah, I'm a little concerned about getting vaccinated. I'm, I'm hesitant about and it's like, you know, can I just come back to work? No. It, the, the condition of coming back to work is that you have to get vaccinated. Otherwise, we're going to have to let you go. Can a company require its employees to be vaccinated? So it's an interesting article here in um, Stat News, turns out that federal law prohibits employers and others from requiring vaccination with a COVID-19 vaccine. Why? I mean, you might say, well, an employer has the right to do whatever they want. You know, somebody, you know, they can establish a dress code. They can say no mustaches, no beards. Uh, You know, as long as it's not discriminatory, according to civil rights laws, um, you know, if they say you need to wear a coat and tie, and they say, well, you know, I don't want to wear a coat and tie, so I'm sorry, you know, we've got to let you go. It's okay, it's their prerogative to set standards. But it turns out that the COVID-19 vaccines, all of them in the U.S., have been distributed under what's called an emergency use authorization. And as such, they are technically experimental. So, according to this legal analysis, you can't fire someone for refusing to take a vaccine that's experimental. It may change when the vaccines are approved fully, but they're still under an EUA, an emergency use authorization. And it turns out that state law prohibits retaliating against an employee for refusing to participate in a violation of federal law. So, um, if there's a federal law that protects you, and the state says no, well, you know we're we're you know we're going to override that. Um, you can actually. Sue your organization, uh, or sue the state government, uh, from adopting policies like requiring vaccination or penalizing members for choosing not to be vaccinated. So it's, it, yeah, I mean, organizations can encourage members, uh, international standards, they, this does not apply to international standards like travel between countries. Countries can, set up whatever criteria they want for admittance to the country but that's not currently the status for the domestic US uh, or for private organizations that employ people so that's the current status it's not necessarily going to compel people to get vaccinated. The vaccine mandate so far would be illegal. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman 877-726-8255 is our number And we'll be back with more of today's intelligent medicine. Please call us.